That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramey. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. If you're looking to cut back on your drinking or quit... Uh, we have one of the best 30-day alcohol-free challenges out there. It's helped hundreds of men all over the country quit drinking alcohol. Sign up today. Check out all of our other podcasts or resources by going to thatsoberguy.com. You can follow us on Instagram at thatsoberguy.com. Oh, I'm sorry, on Instagram at thatsoberguypodcast. It's early for me today, man. We're getting rolling. Shout out to Humans Music as well. I get lots of messages about that. Man, what is that intro music? Humans. Good stuff. Great dudes all the way from Canada. Robbie's a good friend of mine and uh, just doing some great things out there. So check those guys out too. All the links from today's show will be in the show notes so they're easy for you to find. And our guest today is Derek Castleman. And uh, Derek is a writer, he's an educator, a scientist, data analysis, and philosopher. Uh, he destroyed his career as a teacher and, and, and struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism for over 15 years uh, while at the same time suffering from bipolar disorder uh, and he was finally able to achieve recovery in 2018 uh, from mental hospitals to rehabs county jail sober living 12-step programs he's really been through um, uh, all of it the ups the downs uh, the wins the challenges um, and he eventually discovered the path of stoicism uh, to be the key to his sobriety and sanity which i'm really interested to learn more about today i i know a very high level um, ab about it and what it is, but uh, he's going to dive into that for us today. Um, so Derek, uh, it's great to be with you, man. Uh, you're, you're in the California area as am I. So it's always good to have a, a Cali local on the podcast, man. How, how you doing? I'm doing great. And, you know, thanks for having me on the show. Like I said, it's, uh, I do listen to the show, find it to be a great resource for anybody like that wants to learn sobriety, whether they're curious about it or trying to strengthen it. You do give yeah. a good source out there for us. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, uh, we, we got a chance to chat a little bit before we uh, hit record today. And um, you had mentioned the, the wide variety of guests that are on the show. And, you know, we're coming up on 10 years and um, almost 500 podcasts, I think. And, uh, you know, I, I really do appreciate you, you saying that earlier. And uh, I hope to continue to serve that way, man. Just bringing great people on like yourself to, to talk about um, things and continue to learn together and stuff. So, man, th thank you again uh, for coming on today. Um, stoicism, man. I'm excited to dive into it. And, and <laughs> I, I want to get into your background. But first, before we do that, just give us like a high level of stoicism. Like, what is it? You know, stoicism, it's kind of interesting, is... I, for many, many years, I didn't study like really philosophy or anything like that. I thought it was just one of those things that kind of like academic people like kind of like, you know, study that they're just kind yeah. of answering these questions that are so big out there. But you're just like, well, how do they really apply to my life? And it was interesting is the fact that it wasn't always that way. Hmm. Back in kind of like ancient Greece and ancient Rome, there were like these schools of what they called like philosophies of life. And they were literally just trying to answer the questions of like, well, what's the purpose of my life? Like, why am I here? What's the best way for me to basically live and how to achieve those goals of my purpose? 
And Stoicism is one of those philosophies that came out of there. It's started in like 300 BC, so it's over 2,000 years old. And kind of like on a high level, what the Stoics said, and this is kind of why I realized it worked for my recovery, is they viewed that the purpose of life is living a virtuous life, being a person of like good character, like having like living a moral life, good character, trying to be the best person you could always uh, possibly be. And I know for me, when I looked back at my addictions, I could honestly say <laughs> that that wasn't the way that I lived my life. Yeah, most of us. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. So that's why I think it really struck to me was because um, when I came across it, I'd already been like a year and a half into my sobriety. I'd been like working a 12-step program. And I really started having these questions of like, well, you know, what's next? Like, what can keep me growing? And this was like kind of brought up to me. And yeah, I guess really just on that high level, that's what the Stoics say is they say you can live a good life if you just focus on being the best person that you can be. And then like even to go along with that point, to be the best person that you can be, there's no stipulations to it. You could do it if you're rich. You could do it if you're poor. You could do it if you live in a home. Any life situation that you find yourself in, you can be that way. And it really helped me out because at that time, it was during COVID. Mm. I'd lost my job. I was still living in a sober living. Um, so I barely was barely getting by just living off of unemployment. I had a girlfriend at the time that we wanted to live with each other, but we couldn't do that, you know? So it was just like, man, I don't really have a lot going on in my life other than sobriety, which is huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, it really started making me just appreciate all those other things. So I guess that's kind of what it is on a higher level. Yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate you uh, giving us a little insight into that and, and kind of what it looks like. And, um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit more as we get into the, some of the work that you've done, um, man. And I wanted to point out too, you know, I, I've talked to, um, you know, a lot of different people who got sober or, or, um, you know, started, started making some of those changes at the beginning of when this whole COVID thing started and, what a crazy time to decide to do that or to be in that yeah. space. You know, the world's like literally changing before our eyes. Um, you know, there's not a lot of people who are going out to in-person events and meetings and stuff. And so it really shifted the, you know, really our whole society into this digital um, form. And, and I'm very happy to see a lot of the in-person stuff, um, you know, now coming back and that's starting to, uh, you know, to grow again. Um, because I can appreciate both. Like I love the digital space. It's done so much for, uh, not just those in recovery, but obviously outside of that too, just, um, you know, work and, um, all kinds of different things. Um, but there's nothing like meeting in person and there's nothing like being, uh, you know, with people and in community. Um, how important has that been to you and, and kind of what was that like trying to get sober during that, during that time that was a really difficult time for a lot of people? I think, you know, that's that's kind of like the interesting thing about it all, which is like, it's it was one of those things is like where I was saying before, here I am, I'm in like when I find stoicism, I'm still in like a sober living, I've lost my job, I'm barely getting by. 
but that was what was one of the beautiful things was like, <clears throat> yeah, normally if you, my old self, when I'd lose a job, <clears throat> I'd want to turn to drinking yeah. or doing something yeah. else, <laughs> you yeah. know, need to get over like that, those struggles. But the beautiful thing was, no, here I was, I was still living in a sober living. So I did actually, I did do like some of the online meetings, but I was blessed with the fact that I still had a community of guys like dedicated to sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. So that we even still had like what we did is on like, on, like on our location, we do have meetings and like we in, like outside people can come in. But so what they kind of did during COVID was they just kind of banned the outside people like going in. Um, but we were still able to hold those meetings in person amongst ourselves. So I was able to still get some of those in-person meetings. But I will say when COVID hit that house, because it's a bunch of guys in a sober living, like just stuck close together, it just went through the whole freaking house, man. Oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, I was I was blessed, honestly, in the fact that it, it did hit me, but I could only imagine, yeah, like what you're saying, like the struggles for people that are maybe don't have that community, that in-person community that I was able to have at the time with it. Yeah. And, and it was just, you know, for a lot of people, it was so, it was brand new too. You know, a lot of them that I've talked to, this is the first time they were trying to, um, you know, to, to make some changes in their life and then boom, you know? So um, anyways, it's, that's, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, were able to have those you know, that community resources, all that. And I, I guess maybe the, the next thing I'm thinking about here is, you know, you mentioned you lost your job. It's a, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing for any dude in general, you know, any person in general, just like, man, like what, okay, now, now what, you know, um, and facing adversity like that, facing challenges, like the easy thing to do, Let's say we, even if it's just as low as like getting in an argument with our, with our spouse or, or, you know, someone in, that we're in a relationship with, um, the easy thing is to run and go drink about it or run and go get high about it, you know, and escape. Because I've always said that I don't necessarily have, um, just, a, an addiction or alcohol problem. I have a feeling problem. I just, I don't like to feel a lot of the time. So it's easy to do that. Um, you were facing challenges. You were facing a, a lot of stuff that would make it really easy to go and do that. So how did you, um, you know, how were you able to, to kind of get through that? And what did that look like for you? God, you know, it's seriously, and this is crazy. This is literally just a conversation that I had with my wife just a couple years ago. We never me and her never talked about my last bottom. The one that was just like, this is it. This is, I'm done. I I can't do this anymore. Um, and my last bottom, it basically came at, you mentioned in my bio, I used to be a teacher. I was at one point drinking in the classroom and got caught. I got stripped of my credentials so that I couldn't like teach anymore. You know, um, my last bottom, I got my second DUI. Mm. I just like had spent like a, the night in County after getting busted with like my second DUI. Um, car was wrecked. My 
girlfriend who's now my wife, she didn't want me home, burned all the bridges with my family, burned all the bridges with my friends. So I was basically homeless, had nothing, no job, no career, destroyed everything in my life. And like, that was what basically made me say that, like, you know, I'm done. I always tell people that's my step one. And it was interesting when I was talking to my wife about it just a couple of weeks ago, she basically said she was, it's funny, but she was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to sound bad about this or make you take offense, but she's like, I'm kind of happy that you went through that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, because I'm describing her to all, all this bad stuff. And she's like, I'm kind of happy that you went through that, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so I guess to get to your question is that when all of that stuff at COVID hit, you know, it's one of these things of just like, I'd already been done with it for like a while, you know, like just because like COVID was hitting our country about a year and a half into my sobriety lockdowns were about two years into, into like, into the, into my sobriety. And like, it was just like that last bottom killed me so much so that even though I was like losing my job and had my situation that I was basically in it, it's kind of weird. Um, It goes back to even one of the stoicism things is one of the stoicism things is this thing called negative visualization where they kind of try to build gratitude in your life in this weird way. And the way that they start saying to build gratitude is they're like, well, take everything away from your life, you know, start imagining your life without your family, your house, your you know, your job, your car, this, that, imagine, like, imagine losing everything you know, and picture your life and live in that moment. And then basically take appreciation or gratitude in the fact of like, well, you're not in that moment. You still have all those things right now. You may not always have them because you can lose these things. And that's why you're going to appreciate them. So even though I lost the job, I was still able to go like, well, I've lost my job, but I still got a place where I'm living. You know, I still got like, the girl back in my life. I still have built these relationships with my family um, back again. I was talking to my my mom again, my brother, getting a good relationship with my daughter again. And so it was just, that was one of the things is, I, I guess, is I never wanted to go back to that moment where I lost everything again. And even though I just lost, I lost my job at that moment, I was like, it's just my job. There'll be something yeah. else that'll come along, yeah. you know? And I have all this other stuff in my life that's going good. And I know if I turn to the drink or turn to anything else to try to alleviate just losing my job, I could end all the way back up to that moment where I have nothing. That's so good. So you were able to flip adversity into gratitude. And, and, and And that's a really, it's a really difficult thing to do when we're in that moment. It's really easy to sit, I think, on the outside and say, oh yeah, I, I know that's what I should do. But when we're feeling like shit, and you know when we're down and low, it's really really tough to do that. Um, and you you bring up a good point too. You you were mentioning, um, 
you know, the impermanence of everything. And I, I know Noah Levine wasn't the, obviously the first guy to say it, but he was one of the first dudes that I kind of heard talk about that um, in refuge recovery and yeah. just the impermanence of everything, the good times, the bad times, the hard times, um, you know, everything is going to change eventually. And so how do we adapt? How do we adjust? Um, how do we flip those hard times and look at them through the lens of gratitude? So I'd love to hear kind of your, your take on just impermanence. And then, and then maybe even if you want to dive further into like, how do we flip a hard time into something to be grateful for? Well, um, the idea of like of impermanence is it's something that we all have to understand. It's, it's one of those things that is <clears throat> the hard part of life. We, we would like to think of the fact of the good things that we have in life that we'll like always have those, you know, it's God, it's, it's one of the things, even in this philosophy, and just to show you how it starts building gratitude, is like, like with Stoicism, they're even pointing out like impermanence of like family. Yeah, they're just like you could. They're like you could lose your wife. Either that could be through divorce, or we're simply all mortal. Yeah, and it could happen. And even the worst part, and like the toughest one, like as I was reading it and really digesting it into myself is they're like, dude, you have to understand that with your kids that it's like, even though my daughter is only like 15 years old, there could be something that happens where I outlive her. And the reason why they're so big on understanding impermanence and I've read, I've read refuge recovery. It's really, really good. There's a lot of similarities between stoicism and Buddhism so like when you like read stoic stuff you'll see a lot of stuff in like refuge recovery that might make sense to you um it's just one of those things of it it helps you build gratitude because it was weird this one philosopher the stoic philosopher i love william irvin he kind of put it in this interesting perspective of where he was like okay take two fathers and you have one father who pictures that this could be the last day with his daughter every single day and then you have another daughter like another father who pictures like this could be the last day with his daughter or no another father who pictures that he has all the time in the world with his kid that that there's years and years and decades and decades and decades how is each one of those fathers going to respond to that day realizing like one thinks permanent the other one thinks impermanence and how are their relationships going to develop over time based off of that? Yeah. If that kind of makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. It puts, it puts a lot in perspective. And I think it really, um, you know, for me when I hear that and I, and I do try to practice that on the daily, like my, my own philosophy is die daily. Like I, I, I need to, um, submit daily, like, and, uh, when I do that, I can really stay in the moment and I can be in the moment with my kids, with my wife. I know this shit's not going to last forever. It's just not, you know, unfortunately. And uh, so by, and I think that like Western culture too, we don't talk about death a lot, you know, compared to some of the other people that I've talked to who are into maybe more of an Eastern philosophy or Buddhism or um, it's, it's kind of taboo, I guess. Nobody wants to 
to to face that. So sometimes I will be very abrupt, and I it, someone will say something, and they're you know upset about something. I go, hey, you're gonna die anyway, <laughs> and they think I'm like a dick or something, and I'm not. I'm just I'm trying to put it in perspective. Like, is it really that big of a deal? Like, step yeah. back a second, you know. And 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 I will say, you know, we have had some very very close family um, friends who've gone through some very very serious stuff in this last year it was a man 2023 was crazy um you know abrupt death um divorce homicide like just crazy like crazy stuff you know so i want to be careful in saying like dude there are serious times and i understand you know there's a lot of different emotions and i haven't walked through some of those things so some people might say well that's easy for you to say you haven't gone through x y or z like i get that but in the grand scheme of things like at the end of the day, it's all impermanent, you know? So how do we live in that? You know, uh, any thoughts on that or uh, response or anything? Well, no, it's, it's true is I, I noticed, well, that's, what's kind of fascinating is it's not so much Western. It's just that we've forgotten these things. Like that was what kind of, I found fascinating about this philosophy. Yeah. Eastern, you, you read Eastern philosophies and religions and they do think about death, but for some reason, like in Western societies, we've, once did but we don't want to think about the moment and that's the thing too though is you may have not gone through x y and z like you were saying but that's also one of the reasons why it's good to think about it so that you're like kind of preparing yourself yeah if if it happens you are going to you're still going to feel grief it's not like the stoics are basically saying oh if you're like thinking about the death of your child that it's not going to have an impact on when like your child passes away no you're still going to have an impact it's just that you've most likely made the best of your days with your child while your child was alive but also at the same time you have prepared yourself for the fact of it's a possibility mm -hmm. it's better than like being shocked by like it's I love your philosophy. It's like, you're going to die anyways. It's like, no, that is, that's the harsh yeah. reality. And if you're not thinking about that, like, then like, maybe you're getting, maybe that is some of the impact is that you haven't accepted the fact of you're going to die anyways, because realistically, if you say that to somebody, like if you said that to me, it would just be like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I've thought about it. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you have. You've already given that thought. You know, you've had that, um, you know, understanding or at least contemplated it. And so trying to get out in front of it at the same time, life is so sudden sometimes, you know, like yeah. you, you, you just mentioned, you know, the loss of a child. And I can't help but bring up one of my best friends in June last year. His son was murdered. And he was, he was a good, a good kid and he was young and, um, you know, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, in, in not a, a, a great spot out, out here in Northern California. And, uh, you know, I talk to him sometimes to, to my buddy and I just, I say like, bro, like, I don't know how you're doing it. And, you know, for me, like I, I turned to Jesus, I turned to God and, and as does he, and he said, man, like I, like if I didn't have God and if I didn't believe, um, you know, I don't know how I would be getting through this because that's all I feel like I have right now. And so my, you know, even, even though it's, 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 um, you know, it's, it's not my immediate 
kids, it's so close to me that I feel his pain. Like I feel his grief. I feel like the funeral was, was terrible, you know? Um, and so when we talk about those like serious things like that, um, it, it is it is tough to sit and, and I almost feel bad sometimes when I go back and I'm like, oh, you know, like um, acceptance and, you know, like that kind of stuff because you put yeah. those serious ones on it and it kind of changes the tune. Like I have heard him say, well, you know, like it's it's easy to um, to say things and, and, and then it's different to go through them, I guess. And I don't know where, really where I'm going with that. I don't necessarily have a question, but I just... Um, Man, life's fucking hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. It is. Yeah. You know, it's um I think that's something that like actually reminds me of a chapter that I talk about in my book that like was based on it is like you know, even though this <clears throat> even though the stoics are saying like, yeah, you got to accept like death, things like that. They they do they do talk about the fact of like, no, when you're around the grief of like others, like they're like don't don't start spitting at them all of like your beliefs oh yeah and stuff like that they're just like just share sharing the grief with them you know it's it's weird they're they're kind of like they're like sharing the grief with them and be there for them in the way that they need you to be there for them but they're like but just understand at the same time that like you're where just keep just keep yourself aware of the fact of like, yes, this is just the harsh reality of life and don't let yourself get overtaken by their grief. It's kind of like what they're like saying is that like, you don't want to lead yourself down that dark path, but you should be there for them and not kind of like, just spit your stoic wisdom at them at the same time. Like nobody (laughs) wants to be told what to do or how to do it in a time of like severe grief. And there are people, and I think that like, I think that generally those people, you know, or somebody who might do that probably means well, maybe they just have a bad cadence in, in how to go about that. Um, but yeah, there's nothing worse. I can imagine of being in a spot and instead of being comforted or, or loved, which, which I feel like is, is pr- pretty much all we should do and just let you know that we're here to support and, you know, um, we're here for you, um, you know, back to, and that's like kind of goes into the same as like, nobody wants to be told like what to do. Like nobody wants to be told you need to quit drinking. You need to quit this or that. Like that doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like people have to figure that out and they have to have that buy-in for themselves. You know, nine times out of 10, I should take that back. I shouldn't say that at all times because there are plenty of people who maybe have been court mandated to go to a meeting or go to rehab or something. And then something clicked and it changed. So I have seen that before, but I think the majority I'll speak for myself as a dude. Like, we don't want to be told what to do. Like, don't tell me what to do. Like, I'm just going to go harder, actually, because you just tried to tell me, like, what to do or who I am, you know? No, I totally get it. No, that was like, that's, it's, you know, I I remember, like, in one of the rehabs that I was in, like, we were literally having that conversation. We were talking about the fact of just, like, how – there was one guy that was there that he's like, oh, man, like I'm doing this because my wife is making me go to rehab. And so yeah. I'm cleaning up and stuff. And like we were just kind of like having the conversation with them is like, man, like 
you can't be cleaning yourself up for your wife. You got to be like cleaning yourself up because like you want it, you know, like you can't be told to do this. Like it's got to be like, it's weird, you know? And then we talked about in our sober living and I'm sure you've heard it before where people say like sobriety selfishness, man. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's got to be completely about yourself. Like you got to be selfish about yourself and say, this is something I want for myself and I don't really care what anybody else has to say about it. You know, yeah, there has to yeah. be a little bit of selfishness to it. Yeah. Amen to that. I, uh, you know, and it is because it's kind of counter, it, it, it seems almost counterintuitive. We're like, Oh wait, I'm supposed to be of service. I'm supposed to serve others. Like my, my purpose in this life, I believe is to serve others and be there for others and try to help others. But at the same time, when we're trying to make changes in our life, we have to be selfish in some sense. And I think there's a, that maybe that's a positive sense of selfishness in order to, yeah. in order to work on ourselves. Um, I just want to, I, I wanted to, um, uh, throw this out there just cause I feel, I feel like someone needs to hear this right now. Like if you're struggling with grief right now, I feel like there's someone listening to this, who's really going through something and you're just going, man, I don't know. Like, I feel just, I feel so hurt, you know, about this or whatever. I just came across Psalm 34, 18. It says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So I just like, there's hope, like, don't, don't give up. Like, don't, don't quit. Like I know it hurts right now. It seems um, like there's not a light, but I promise you there will be a light that shines and and you will feel revived and you will feel, um, you will feel joy again. So um, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. You know, and you'd asked this earlier, you were asking kind of like advice on like how I view or like this philosophy might view like adversity and dealing with challenges and challenges like that. And kind of, you might be lost in the moment and, but it's kind of like the stoic perspective is you also have to start to begin to look like, like, how can I grow as a person and what can I gain from this kind of situation? Mm. It's, um, there was this kind of stoic quote that I remember from this philosopher Seneca. It was kind of along the lines that like, it's the fires of life that forge our characters, That's good. you know? And it's just this understanding of just like, you know, in, in the tough times you can look at like, if I can get through this, I can gain perseverance. I can gain strength. I can gain courage. Like you start looking at kind of the different characteristics that you can like, gain by getting through it if i can just get through today this is how i'm growing as a person and then when you get to tomorrow how i can get through tomorrow and that'll help you as you grow through a person because like you said is it's very very true is that there is that light that is shining that's gonna like come to you in that life and that light when you get there you'll be able to look at how you've grown at like spiritually and as a human being yeah. through the adversity that you basically just went through. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, uh, I don't mean to Bible thump too hard today, but Isaiah mm-hmm. nine, two, those who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. And so you see that like, and that, that's like what I, I see people just like myself. And it's probably why I'm uh, attracted to these um, certain types of people, because I see myself in them like people who've been through hard things, made bad choices, made bad decisions, have had a a rough childhood or whatever it is, but they're looking for something more. They're looking for redemption. They're looking for purpose. They're looking to serve others, you know, and 
I think that God gives us a great opportunity in that when we can open ourselves up to it um, and, and recognize it. I think it's in front of us all the time, but I think the difference is like people say, well, I don't, I don't feel it or I don't feel, you know, what's my purpose or what, like, I think it's there, but it's a matter of us becoming aware of it, alive to it um, and, and opening up and inviting it in. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh no, for, for, for that's, definitely the truth that's that's the whole thing i guess going back all the way to the beginning of our conversation when we were talking about stoicism and a philosophy of life is that that's basically what your philosophy of life is even though you may not have defined it yourself or anything like that like you may not go like oh it's stoicism that's my philosophy of life no philosophy of life is it's basically it's what your purpose is it's it's when you look back and it's like one philosopher I read when he was describing philosophy of life, he had said, it should be the one that when you're on your deathbed, you can look back at your life and you could either say that I've lived a good life or I've not lived a good life because this was my purpose and I achieved it. And he did kind of also say in like the same passage that I was reading is you need to find this for yourself. It's there. It's inside of you. But you need to find this for yourself because if you don't, you face this opportunity where you might mislive. And it's interesting that you bring that up because this was another conversation, that same conversation I was having with my wife when she asked me what my values were and I was telling her what my values are. And I was like, and she asked me what my values were when I was in my addictions. Mm. And I told her, I'm like, man, I, I didn't even have any. I'm like, she's like, you didn't have any values. I'm like, no, I just had this hole inside of me that had no purpose, no reason for living, nowhere to actually go in life. And uh, it's weird. I had like, I can honestly say when I was in my addictions, the difference between me now through my own spiritual journeys and through my own philosophical journeys is I've been able to fill that hole inside of me. That was just this void that was always looking for that purpose that you say is what's it's there in all of us. Yeah. What, so what, what did you find that to fulfill that, that space for you? Well, that was the thing is I, what really ended up fulfilling that space was basically finding my my purpose and i was struggling with the it's kind of interesting um a lot of people think that philosophy and religion have to like battle against each other not seeing that they can actually like work in in tandem and in my early sobriety i was one of those people that had the difficulty with the steps that said god in it i had the difficulty with the spirituality stuff And when I started reading like this stoic philosophy, that's when I started seeing like the shaping of my my purpose. I guess to go into it a little bit more, like when it's talking about values is, what stoicism gets down to is the purpose of life is to be the best person that you can be. And the way that you achieve being that person is living the four virtues of courage, wisdom, justice, that's with you, which is, you certain like you you're here for everyone else you know like you 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 practice justice so it's courage justice wisdom and temperance or self-control and if i can actually like live those things i can fulfill i've i felt this 
I feel this hole in my life now filled in because I can look back at every day that I'm living and just go like, I lived a good day. I did the best that I could do. I've been the best person I can be. I helped when I could help. It's why I like doing podcasts and sharing my stories, you know, with people is that like, my view is every podcast I go on to, if I can just have one person that I help out through it, then it was all worth it, you know? Um, So yeah, it's just finding the purpose through all of that. And it sounds like a lot of that purpose comes in just in, in being of service too, which is just yeah. one of the foundational, you know, pieces of, of recovery and a, a different life path. Um, and I, I, I'm going to bet, and I want to jump into this, but I have one thing I want to ask you before that, but a stoic guidebook for recovery that you wrote is probably a huge part of that purpose. I would imagine I want to talk a little bit about that. I just want to back up really quick. Cause I, I found this interesting and funny. I just wanted to point it out. Um, you said as a teacher, you were drinking in class And man, I had this teacher in high school and I swear to God, this dude every day, I'm not going to name him because I don't know what his, you know, his place is today, but he would bring this big AM PM cup every single day. And I swear he was hammered at work. (laughs) I don't know if we know what, like, it wasn't just me. Like everyone was like, Oh, Mr. He's oh man, dude, he was tying one on today. So you kind of confirm for, for me that as a teacher, that is possible at least. So it's making me, it made me, that's the first thing I thought of when you said that kind of it crazy, is, man. It is possible. What's messed up is I had to show up drunk um, because I had the trembling hands. So I needed wow. a drink so yeah. that I could write on the board. But here's another funny story that I was doing. And then I talked to other teachers and then I realized what other teachers did as well, which is, most of the time, like when you're in school and you have a movie day that comes out of nowhere, like you just come in and teachers just like movie day. And it seems like it comes out of nowhere. They're generally hung over. That's, <laughs> uh, that's like the it. classic, like go to it's movie day. Everyone knows Mr. B's hung over. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny, what, man. Yeah. Cause I was doing that. And I, so many other teachers yeah. go, I do the same thing too. And they're like, it's a teacher thing. <laughs> Man, why is Mr. Castleman's class? We watched tons of movies in there, man. Like, love that. We did class. watch a lot of movies in that class. I do uh, have to say, sadly, that's funny, you know? man. <laughs> uh, so, tell us a little bit uh, about a Stoic guidebook for recovery. Um, so, like, a, I, I agree. Um, I wrote this book mainly out of like a way of being in service to people. You know, um, I found that stoicism was for all of the reasons that we've talked about things and there's even more reasons out there. It's something that helps. It can help someone in recovery. You can Google search it. You can find articles on it. You can find people saying how it helps them. One of the reasons why is even like a stoic book I'm reading right now, like literally pointed out, they're just like the serenity prayer, Mm. the, the, the stoicism, has the serenity prayer written right into it and it will basically teach you how to like live the serenity prayer to its like fullest potential but the problem that i had is i kept reading all these books and stuff like that and i would contact different like stoic philosophers and i would ask them questions about it from like and like an alcoholic or an addict's perspective. (laughs) And they would, they would answer my questions, but then they would all concede to the fact of just like, well, I've never really dealt with addiction. So I don't know like what it's like. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to write a book 
like the first stoic book where this is a stoic philosophy book that's written for us that are in recovery that relates it to addiction relates it to recovery relates it to the 12 steps it relates it to even like refuge recovery buddhist principles as well it's like i i not only am i quoting like stoics in there i'm also quoting like um research from different like like addiction like therapists different psychiatrists it's like i'm pulling in all of like these different sources so that you know and then i'm even including my own life experience so i want it to be like everything like this is how i use it this is my life experience because i feel like it's always our stories that kind of make me feel united with people yeah. in addiction but i also want you to know that like i'm not just like making this up like here's like all of these other people that are professionals out there that are also saying like the same things that tie into this philosophy yeah. what's actually fascinating is for people that may have went to like different therapies in it is that um cognitive behavior therapy which is one of the most used therapies for people in addiction mm -hmm. The founders of cognitive behavior therapy, they literally said they you can find quotes where they just said that this is just stoicism as a therapy. Really? They oh, wow. yeah, they basically they used all of the stoic principles and the mindsets and the practices and just turned it into a therapy. So I'm even quoting cognitive behavior therapists in the book. Really? So just to basically provide like finally there's a source where someone can hopefully see like this is a way to strengthen my recovery. Just another yeah. resource out there for them, you know? So, yeah, and, and I love it. And we'll put the link to the book in the show notes so it's easy for everyone to find, of course. Um, so next to next to your book, um, which deals in you know recovery, like if somebody was interested, maybe it's the first time they're kind of hearing about stoicism and they're like, man, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to learn a little bit more. For someone who's kind of just entry level, like where's a good place for them to start? Like, do you have any recommendations um well so next to my book another good book and i've actually like talked about some of his stuff the a few times there's another good book and i love the title of this it's called a guide to the good life by william irvin he goes majorly into stoicism and breaks it down he's a philosophy professor but he writes this in a way that anyone can read it it won't relate it to recovery yeah. But you can actually like learn a lot about this philosophy and see how it works and how it relates to your life. Um, a and God, you got to love a title, a guide to the I good know. life. That's the whole <laughs> purpose that he's trying to show you throughout the entire book. So that would be yeah. another resource. And one that's um, one of the ancient stoic ones and probably the ones that um, – people most quote is Marcus Aurelius's meditations. It's his own personal journals and life struggles that he was going through. And like, you can kind of like read like his stream of consciousness. And then a final one, I guess that they're out there. A lot of people, this is a good introduction. This is how I started on it. There is a social media out there and he does like a YouTube channel as well. Um, it's called the daily, um, the daily stoic. Oh, nice. And it's kind of like daily quotes on stoicism. He has a YouTube channel where he goes into it a little bit more as well. So those are all good resources on it. Awesome, man. Th thanks for uh, throwing those out there. Uh, yeah. Appreciate it. Um, so, dude, really great to have you on today. Um, I, I appreciate you taking the time with us. Um, 
And just before we wrap up today, is there anything that you want to add or if, if maybe someone's struggling out there, like, you know, any advice or thoughts for them? You know, I always like to, whenever I'm asked like this, I always like to think of the person that might be struggling because to me, that's what I love about meetings, how they're always pointing out that it's the per- person in like generally their first days of recovery that are like the most important people in the room is my thing is life life will get better. It's It goes back to what we were talking about in permanence throughout like our conversation. And I really love that we discussed that is that as we talk about impermanence, also remember, Shane, you're the one who brought it up, is that the good times won't last, but the bad times won't last either. And so if you're really struggling right now, just understand that this is just a momentary thing and that things will get better and that the good times are just around the corner. The shining light is going to be there for you once again. I love that, man. I love that. Thank you so much, man. That's great stuff right there. Um, If folks want to reach out to you, where's the best place they could do that? Honestly, the best place to reach me is just hit me up on Instagram, like on like the sober stoic on Instagram. I'm, I answer every single DM that gets messaged to me. That's where I have conversations with people like on there. Um, I have a Gmail, the sober stoic official at gmail.com, but the best place is to find me on Instagram. I'm constantly on Instagram posting, always like look at my DMS and I love to talk to anybody that might have questions, might want like you know anything that that you want to ask or say i'll always respond back awesome man well hey thank you so much for coming on uh the podcast today man it's been great to meet you and uh really look forward to putting this out there to uh to all the folks out there so they can listen in man thank you yeah no thank you thank you for having me If there's anything I can help with, uh, you can reach out and find all of our resources at thatsoberguy.com. Hope some spoke to you today. Share the podcast with a friend. Connect with us on Instagram at thatsoberguypodcast. We'll be sure, once again, to put all the links so you can contact Derek, find the book, all that good stuff in the show notes. Peace, love, and respect. Keep your blood clean. Your